Hello, you're listening to the Beats and Bleeps podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. Today, my guest is Jordan Gret. How are you today, Jordan? I'm doing great. Excellent. Um, so generally where I start, the sort of question is sort of your your origin story as such, how you, your background in music uh, through childhood, if, if there was one, and then how eventually you got into writing soundtracks for video games. Yeah, so, okay. So um, I have an early memory of, um, so I have an older sister. She's roughly 10 years older than me. So she had, when I was a little kid, she was the one with the CD player in the mid nineties. And I remember when she wasn't home, I borrowed a friend's uh, Star Wars soundtrack on CD and like snuck into her room and listened to it on her CD player. I don't, I don't think I've ever told her that. (laughs) <laughs> um, anyway, that's like my first memory of really sitting down and like uh, caring about music on its own. Um, obviously, I'm not the only person to be super inspired by uh, Star Wars music. Um, like we pretty much all are. It's amazing. Um, so that was sort of an early thing. And then, yeah, just sort of got interested in sort of the school's offerings. So band, chorus, musicals, jazz band, all that stuff simultaneously while playing in rock bands and really caring about that. Um, so kind of had those b- both the academic and the sort of whatever the other part of music is more um, intuitive. Both of those threads going through high school, through college. I was a music major, but I jumped around a lot. I studied jazz for a couple of years, um, classical composition. I was originally a saxophone major, um, but ultimately decided to focus on guitar as my main instrument, um, primarily electric guitar. And then since 2006, I've been playing with um, a metal band called Falls of Raros. Um, We have six records out now. We just came out with one last year. So doing that for a long time while I was in music school, eventually did a music master's from 2014 to 2017 and started teaching French full-time at a high school the same year, which I don't recommend. Um, <laughs> uh, not the teaching job, but starting being a first-year teacher and a first-year grad student at the same time. I don't recommend that. Um, and I went to music grad school because I was interested in potentially working in games, but I didn't know. I think it's hard for people to, um, when they don't have a clear path of how to get into the industry, there aren't many people to ask locally necessarily. Um, all of the communities, at least in places like Portland, Maine, where there isn't a big game dev community, a lot of the communities are online and I had, I hadn't found them yet. Um, so I decided to just keep studying music, um, and just crossing my fingers that, uh, games would work out. Um, the music masters was an amazing thing for me to go through. I felt like it removed a lot of the creative blocks that I, that we can sometimes have. Um, but it took me several more years. I did some game jams and then focused on, I started a chamber group that isn't video game related at all called Forêt Endormi, Sleeping Forest, um, finishing up a record for them now. So anyway, lots of outside of video game stuff. Um, and then when the pandemic was really uh in full force i had been talking and working with a local developer on this game hidden treasures in the forest of dreams um and we both sort of decided to step up how much time we were devoting to it during the pandemic and i wrote the soundtrack and did the sound design for that game and it came out on playstation 4 in 2021 shortly after that i got hired as a technical audio designer at team junkfish um so that's like a really super fast sprint through my whole life (laughs) of (laughs) music and video game stuff um but yeah for me i i really wanted to work in the industry probably 10 plus years before i was hired um, and just sort of didn't know, trying different things to to get my foot in the door, as as we say, um, and didn't really know how to do it. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. 
Cool. So what was it that made you decide you wanted to go into like the video game, uh, basically industry that, that specifically? Yeah. Um, well, I would say that, so I've devoted my life to music pretty wholeheartedly, but my first love was video games. So I have a memory like many people probably do of playing, um, Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. Um, they weren't super new at the time. It was the early 90s, so they had been out for several years, but that's what I had access to. I was a really little kid, and my aunt and uncle had an NES. And I was like, man, this is cool. And just sort of, yeah, played video games pretty seriously. Um, played EverQuest in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, just, it was a very much, very strong interest for me. And, um, just the more that I learned about how the industries, the various industries work. So music industry, film industry, TV, um, and video games, video games seems to give a really, uh, there's a lot of opportunities for composers at all levels of sort of notoriety. So there's, you can work on free games or indie games to get your foot in the door. And then there is kind of a lot of work to to be had and there's such a variety of the types of music that you can write um and it actually can provide uh, a career for people which is harder and harder just release releasing um records or trying to be a touring musician that's pretty tough um and just the amount of tech skill that's required um in addition to music skill i really enjoy sort of blending doing music design um and sort of leveraging the tech that we have in game engines and middleware to make really interesting interactivity yeah um so that's something that's really exciting to me about game music now. Um, but yeah, when I was younger, it was just like, man, I love games. I love music. I love the music in the games I'm playing. Um, wouldn't it be cool uh, to work on Final Fantasy VII or whatever? Um, you know, so. I mean, yes, it would. It would be really yeah, cool. Yeah, to I mean, it was too off. late for me at, at the point. Yeah, but a game like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so you mentioned um, the first game you worked on, the Hidden Treasures in the Forest of Dreams. How did that come about into fruition? Um, I think I was reading on, I think it's your Bandcamp, that you met the um, developer locally and just kind of had a conversation, yeah. sort of went from there. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, that's the first sort of, like, big release or whatever that I worked on. I did do a bunch of game jams before that and all that, but... Um, <laughs> So yeah, there was a there very very small game developer meetup in Portland, which is where I live. Portland, Maine, not Portland, Oregon. So the smaller but first Portland. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so we met at this meetup. It was pre-pandemic, probably 2019, and um, I still do but even more so a few years ago whenever i detected that someone had a an accent that sounded like they were a french speaker i would ask them because i you know always craving opportunities to practice french um so i asked this person his name's julien um if we could speak in french and we talked and um that was cool but we figured out that we had really parallel interests as far as um, sort of game design, music, the kinds of experiences that we wanted to create. So he was working on a game called Hidden Treasures in the Forest of Dreams. It was in the very beginning stages. And I, I told him about my group, Forêt Endormi, or Forêt Endormi, which means Sleeping Forest. So Hidden Treasures in the Forest of Dreams, Sleeping Forest, it was kind of like our projects were almost called the same thing. Um, which was really weird. So he sent me a video of early gameplay of that game and just asked me to put some music on it and see how it felt. And he really liked what I did. So we um, decided to work together, but um, we were both working 
full time separately. So it was kind of a slow burn. And then during the pandemic, I think a lot of people reevaluated their priorities. And I just decided to devote more time to that. And we shipped it in November 2021. Um, but yeah, it was a we just met locally at a meetup yeah nice so yeah. It's, in terms of that game like obviously played a, a good bit of it but it's obviously a very nice slow sort of gentle paced bright vibrant colors open but not necessarily open world but like open space for wonder around and it's yeah. it takes like a a step back from a lot of games that are all shooting or fighting and you know right like you have to do everything at 100 miles an hour obviously uh, the the concept of the game and correct me if i'm wrong is but it's like you're exploring your dreams yeah yeah um something like that i think it's a little vague yeah the idea is that it's this dream world um and yeah you're trying to stay asleep so actually not only are you not encouraged to go fast you're you're punished by for going too fast you'll lose if you go too fast for too long um so the game nudges you into being really slow and yeah the the art style is very sort of blown out vibrant not quite fluorescent but just these bright colors and yeah yeah it's an interesting game i've never played a game quite like it yeah i mean i try it not not in the um not anywhere the same but the only game i can kind of think of that i've played that's similar in style is a game called proteus that i think was on the vita and that's oh. like that's like cool uh it's much more like um i don't actually know the concept of it but it's right like a procedurally generated island you wander around but it's all pixel art it's quite cool but it's yeah it's but, like similar cool. sort of gameplay but like kind of completely opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of like design and stuff yeah so, what, so with with that obviously the soundtrack is at parts ambient but then obviously it builds up and swells and things like that what mm -hmm. was there any sort of influences or any ideas that julian had um for the sound or is it just a case of yeah. you do what you think works best yeah, Julian um, brought up the soundtrack to No Man's Sky quite a bit, yeah. which I <laughs> I didn't follow that closely. Actually, it doesn't sound like that. Um, but sort of that idea. And then he had a lot of sort of uh, descriptive words for the soundtracks. Like he was really interested in um wind chimes and airiness and floatiness and um sort of more visual well except for the wind chimes i guess but um visual words yeah um and i just sort of filtered that through my own aesthetic and actually if you listen to the soundtrack it's pretty diverse um in a way that i don't know that i would do it that way again um if I were to rewrite it, but it's an interesting sort of, uh, it's like a, um, almost like a musical diary of two and a half years of me writing music in different programs in different contexts. Um, but yeah, he ended up being happy with all the stuff that I sent him. So that was cool. But, um, yeah, the one explicit reference I can remember was no man's sky cool i mean i uh so the band 65 days of static that did the soundtrack yep. for no man's sky i'm like a really really big fan of them and it's a really weird seeing their sort of journey they started off their first album as like a kind of very guitar based mm -hmm. post-rocky kind of thing and then went yeah. further and further into like synthesized stuff it's just and you know i think the no man's sky soundtrack is kind of a combination of all of that sort of mm -hmm. those bits yeah. um yeah, I mean, weirdly enough, I've I've not actually played No Man's Sky. Considering I love the idea of it, and I love the band that did the soundtrack. Yeah, but... yeah, it's intimidating to me. It seems like a whole thing. Yeah, I haven't played it either. I've just watched. Yeah, footage. I, I have that thing where where games are that massive. It's like I like right. being able to know that I can finish it in a certain amount of Agreed. time. And now I'm just like, yep. oh, I'm gonna get lost and spend literally hours and Agreed. not achieving anything. And I guess yeah in my head the sort of like uh similarities is the sort of 
space travelly is kind of the floatingness in a dream sort of maybe that's mm-hmm. kind of kind of not necessarily sound wise but the the theme is um yeah. across those things so in terms of when i was playing it i noticed the the actual soundtrack um reacts quite a lot to actions and certain things going on and you met uh, you yourself did the implementation was how how would you go about that in terms of did you write a piece um and then go i'm gonna have these parts coming in i, I can't remember the little health not health but meter that goes down when you speed and you yeah. have to wait i can't remember what it's called I apologize but like obviously when that gets lower it's kind of certain things come in with more like it's more, right bit like urgency it's like how how did you look at that was that like you wrote it for that sort of mechanic or you wrote a piece and then tried to deconstruct it i did um so basically the overall music implementation system is is relatively simple um there's i think it's been a couple years i think there's 10 or 11 sort of I'm going to use the word tracks, but that's not totally right because they're adaptive music playlists. But they're sort of uh, when you start a level, since it has it's not completely procedurally generated, but it's um, it's got procedural elements to it in the game. The music is not procedurally done. Um, it's rendered wave files. But so it selects uh, one of those uh, playlists and then you're sort of in that world. Um, and but there's stuff that happens that uh, triggers different music. So one of the things, which is what you're talking about, I think it's called the sleepiness meter. We had a few different names, and I don't remember <laughs> what we settled on. But the faster you go, and there's some other things that affect it, the meter goes down, and then you get closer to waking up. And waking up is the the fail state of the game. So so when you get to a certain point, yeah, I compose some. I mean, I just use some 12 tone music. Um, so I like generated a tone row and just wrote some stuff, um, using the tone row and it seemed to work pretty immediately. It, it seems to alert the character or the player that something bad is happening. Um, so yeah. And then, and then we tried it out in the game. Something that I've been doing since then, um, is prototyping ideas quickly in cubase or whatever and then putting them in the game as soon as i can so that i can feel how it sits in the game if if that mechanic is is available um i really have come to appreciate being able to implement stuff early and then revise it um but that's not so much what we did in this game we did more i would write complete pieces and then we we would put them in the game and then i would edit them or whatever after so that's one thing um another thing that i think is pretty cool is um there's a lot of bodies of water in the game but you you can walk over them because you're in a dream so whatever but when you walk over the water um the arrangement of the music changes so um it's mostly like tongue drum and and some synth pads that sort of fade in and take over the arrangement most of the time it's the same music that you had been hearing sometimes it's it's like a reworked thing but yeah so you're hearing music as you explore and then the arrangement changes when you walk over water um so that's another piece of adaptive stuff and then yeah there's a few more things but um yeah, we tried to take advantage of. We used Unity and Wise, so tried to take advantage of some of the things that Wise offers. Nice. Yep. And I guess, and from from your perspective, that's kind of one of the the extra sort of areas you can be creative as opposed to you know making just normal music. That you you have yeah. that option of being able to make it interactive in that sense. Yeah, uh, I and I'm not alone in this, but I'm very excited about what you can do with middleware or um in just in the game engine i i'm thinking specifically about unreal because the possibilities in unreal 5 are pretty amazing um but having music more tightly 
tied to what's happening in the game. It, whatever that means. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like whatever that means in a given situation is really cool to me. That being said, um, and we already talked briefly talked about Final Fantasy VII. I mean, the games that got me really interested in game music didn't do that, really. Um, I mean, Final Fantasy VII, you know, depending on the overall thing that's happening, uh, music will play that's appropriate, but it isn't tightly woven into the action. It just didn't have, that wasn't a priority in game music back then, as you know. So I appreciate that sort of thing too, just kind of like a a music track happening. Um, so, but I'm I'm excited about, yeah all of the interactive tools that we have these days. Yeah. More, always more possibilities coming out and things. Right. It's very cool. So from um, Hidden Treasures in the Forest of Dreams, you mentioned, and I've forgotten the name of the company, but you started doing work for them. What was the games you worked on with with them? Yeah, so I, I still work for Team Junkfish. Um, they're a Scottish and they're based in Scotland and Singapore. Um, but since the pandemic, they've been hiring folks. I mean, I'm in North America. I'm actually the only North American employee, but there's a bunch of employees in um, the EU and Singapore, obviously, and, and all around the UK, not just in Scotland anymore. Um, and yeah, I was hired there as a technical audio designer, and I was working on Monstrum 2, which we're still supporting. That's um, a multiplayer four verse one situation where one player is the the monster there's three monsters to choose from and the other players are solving puzzles trying to escape um and so yeah the majority of my work there was all technical stuff so implementing um sound effects ambiences interactive sounds uh 3d ambience um all all kinds of stuff um because it's a relatively big game and that was really good it was really good to spend a lot of time just thinking about um, implementation and and mixing the game and doing a lot of qa stuff um i think that was really good for once that game shipped i pivoted to working on a mobile game of theirs uh which is called attack of the earthlings mobile and i'm writing the score for that and going to do some audio design and stuff um but yeah having spent so much time work thinking about the technical aspect of sound design and and audio um i think it changed my approach to how i'm writing the music for this game um and so yeah we're currently one of the projects we're working on is attack of the earthlings mobile which is a sequel to attack of the earthlings uh which was a PC game. It's a strategy, turn-based strategy game. And I feel really fortunate to write this score in particular because the first game's score was written by Mikolai Strowinski, who is a composer that I really admire. I think his music's great. Um, he might be best known for... He was one of the composers on The Witcher 3. Um, so I feel like... Uh, yeah, following up his soundtrack is is a pretty big, pretty special for me. Um, and yeah, we have some other projects. Actually, this week, um, we're doing a company-wide game jam um, uh, based on ideas that the team proposed. And the idea that I proposed is one of the games that's getting, one of the four games that's getting made. So... Cool. We'll let you know how it goes, but it's it's really fun this week le- leading a project and making sort of creative director decisions as well as writing music and doing sound design and stuff. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I work for them full time. So with yep. um, Monstrum Two, that's obviously style wise a complete departure from Hidden Treasures. Yeah, that's very bright. Yes. Monstrum Two is a very dark, you know, survival horror sort of thing. Yeah. Was it was I know obviously it was more the um, atmospherics kind of thing about it that you were involved in, but was that kind of 
a big change of pace is there any sort of difficulty switching stuff off in your brain in like creative decisions you had made or is it just fairly straightforward with the visuals of what it is um yeah i mean it was it's definitely a very different project um very different to look at more than anything they actually they're both first person controlled games and and so there actually are more kind of similarities there's um both games are non-linear there's not and and they're they're more about the sort of gameplay vibe than the story story there's not a lot of narrative in either game so that was all similar but yeah um definitely a different tone monster 2 is pretty fast-paced and intense um and yeah but the the nature of the work i was doing was so different that i don't think it required like a creative switch um it's just sort of a workflow switch yeah and actually although that being said i did end up writing i did end up playing guitar on one of the pieces one of the music pieces for monstrum 2 and then we're releasing an update for monstrum 2 in april and i wrote some music for that too so more more to come soon yeah nice i mean it reminds me i didn't i tried to play it but i I feel the time i tried to play it there wasn't many people and obviously it's a sort of online collaborative experience um but it remind reminds me just looking at the videos of uh i think it was a half-life 2 mod called hidden and basically it would be that sort of like there'd be one monster creature thing and then another other group of people but i feel that was more a hunting one rather than a trying to escape one yeah it just reminds me of that didn't know if there was any influences or if that's just a really niche reference (laughs) um you know i don't so um i wasn't involved in the prototyping or planning of monstrum 2 i came in in the last nine months of a four-year project so yeah yeah um i've heard some things thrown around i think either monstrum 2 started as a monstrum mod or a half-life mod with monstrum assets i'm not sure um i would just be contributing to some mythology that i don't know (laughs) much about um yeah so i was i was brought in to like help finish the project yeah yeah um yeah but there are some similar games dead by daylight is apparently a similar premise i've actually never played that um yeah but I'm not sure what all the influences were. No. Yeah. That's cool. Be interesting to find out. Um, but yeah, yeah. you also, also mentioned Attack of the Earthlings, which, uh, mobile, sorry, um, Attack of the Earthlings mobile, which is the follow-on from Attack of the Earthlings. What yep. sort of, that's that's still in development? It is. So what's, um, I mean, I'm not I'm not that familiar with the game, so what sort of game, yep. game is it and what, what's the kind of... Um, soundtrack feeling and what yeah. can we expect from that yeah so it's a turn-based strategy game which is a style of game that i really love um and you play as aliens basically that uh it's called attack of the earthlings because humans land on your planet and your goal is to kill the humans it's basically like a reverse XCOM type thing so yeah the humans are the villains you're trying to get rid of them so yeah you start with a matriarch who um needs to survive and then she spawns other units and and they have various abilities um the music so i was kind of start jumping off with what Nikolai stransky had done in the first game but um for various reasons i'm writing a completely new soundtrack so there's no i'm not borrowing any of his stuff um except for maybe an overall vibe yeah um so one of the references that i used was um bernard herman's score for the day the earth stood still really cool textures in that and i i think i could be wrong about this but that was the the score that really solidified the theremin as, you know, meaning, you know, outer space and all that stuff. So I'm using that pretty liberally because the game has a 
that would be cheesy if it was a serious game in this day and age, but the game is comedic. There's a lot of silliness, so I f- it fits there. Um, yeah, lots of th- it's it's orchestral, hybrid orchestral. Um, but yeah, very influenced by that film score. Um, lots of like mallet percussion. Um, an organ and stuff. And then, yeah. Um, you know, there's adaptive music while you're playing. It re- reacts to how sort of strong your, the enemy forces are at a given moment. So trying to sort of manipulate the player's feelings in that way. But yeah, it's a hybrid orchestral score. Um, very heavily influenced by Bernard Herrmann. Nice. Yep. And yep. obviously you mentioned the kind of potential dates, so we'll obviously keep a, keep an eye out for for when things get a bit more confirmed down the line. Yeah. So in terms yeah. of cool. in terms of like your yourself and your um your sort of setup to write and produce music, is it generally um software based or do you use much real instrumentation or any of the hardware yeah um it depends on what i'm writing for for game music i am doing a lot of it is samples and synthesizers direct into cubase so i don't i don't work with analog synths very much i have a limited amount of space um, I do play guitar on a lot of my recordings if it's appropriate, which is um, cool for a lot of reasons. Like it's good to put some humanity into the music. Um, I also like to hire musicians when I can afford it. Um, I hired um, Sarah Mueller to play violin on the Hidden Treasure soundtrack, and Maria Wagner played clarinet and nye, which is a an Arabic flute. I think that added a lot. Um, I also play guitar on that too. And then, yeah, um, for attack of the earthlings and monstrum Two, there's some guitar, but for the most part, it's, um, yeah, samples and, um, synthesizers. Um, yeah, direct into Cubase these days. Yep. And is that just more like using the samples? Is that more just a cost thing? Like obviously in an ideal world, you'd love to, love to be able to get a full orchestra or whatever on some yeah that's a goal definitely a goal to get um so i actually outside of game music i do have a chamber group that i work with regularly and we release albums and stuff and that is much more live instrumentation and like live percussion and stuff too um but for game music yeah, orchestras are expensive. I don't currently have the budget in my current position to hire an orchestra. So yeah, I'm in the business of um, making my sample libraries sound as good as possible. And the cool thing is, is they do, as long as you sort of know how to write for them and they sound pretty good. Um, but yeah, would love to record some orchestra stuff in the future well we will hope that happens yeah. one day yes <laughs> obviously yes. fingers crossed yeah. and then with yourself i mean you've alluded to a few of them already but um what's your sort of like general musical influences and is there anything you sort of listen to on a day-to-day basis mm, yeah um it depends on what i'm into at the moment um i'll just throw out right now Overall music, my favorite musician is Joanna Newsom. So she's a composer, harpist. Yeah. Lyric- yeah, she's just, all of her music is amazing. Um, it, um, you know, influences my emotions more than any other music. Um, it's great. Um, uh, yeah, what else do I listen to? Um, lots of stuff. I listen to a lot of metal um because i play metal and love listening to it um depending on what it is um yeah 
Uh, I always go back to Kralis and Blue Dust Nord and Enslaved. Those are some great metal bands. Um, and then for game music, um, I really love Austin Wintery's work. Yeah. I think he's great. Um, Nobuo Matsu. Um, although I haven't kept up with his work, it's very much like a nostalgia thing for me. Yeah, I love Fiona Apple. Like, just sort of all over the place. Um, I love the uh, gulf of difference between uh, Joanna Newsom and like the metal bands and stuff. It's just oh, like yeah. completely different. Like, yeah, yeah. I love, like, I love yeah. Joanna Newsom, and it's it's one of those where it's like. I'll go through, I'll, I'll potentially have like months and months of not listening to her and then it would just be yep. an absolute binge. Yeah. It's just like such, yeah. obviously like harp doesn't get used in much sort of, in inverted commas, popular music. It's, you know, normally right. like used in sort of soundtrack stuff. And then also she's got right. quite a unique voice as well, I find. And it's right. just really, yep. really cool to listen to. It's very very different from a lot of things and yeah i mean i saw agreed i was gonna say i saw her live a few years ago and then realized it was probably about 10 or even more so years ago and now i feel really old <laughs> i know yeah it's like i just yeah i just saw her yeah the second time i saw her was pretty recently and then it's like no that was in 2016 i think <laughs> or 2015 it was like yeah when she was touring for the last record that she released which was in 2015 so yeah 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 she's great um just sort of um I would make the case if I was that kind of person, I would make the case that she's one of the best composers alive today. Um, one of the defining composers of our generation, like the way that she mixes different styles of classical music and Americana and like prog rock and like all of the things and filters it through her own voice, not literally just her like singing voice, but yeah. her compositional voice. Um, yeah, I, you know, there's music that I like almost as much. Lots, lots of music that I like almost as much, but her music just blows my mind. Yeah, understandably so. Like this is yeah. this is a recommendation <laughs> yeah. to go and listen to Joanna Newsom if you haven't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll come on to the question uh, section of the podcast. I lovingly call quickfire questions. So the idea is, I ask you your favorite something. You'll give a very short snappy response back and yeah. that's the idea that never happens but yes we will get started with your favorite video game of all time final fantasy 7 or everquest okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> one or the other i think final fantasy 7 because you can still sort of enjoy it in the same way as yeah. you could in the late 90s yeah i always find find that with like any sort of uh online game yeah it's very it's very time specific for for when when you enjoyed it and yeah. so those memories yeah. it's like you know they did they, they're just memories they yeah. make a new a new version of it or like that someone tried rebooting it recently or am i thinking of something else it's still so it's everquest is still up okay. um and it's free to play now and i did play it for a while and i had fun but there's so much of the world that is sort of um yeah it's just not the same i mean it's just a different you know in the late 90s that was so revolutionary and the excitement was there and the community was there and it's just a different thing now yeah yeah it's still cool but yeah <laughs> but yeah obviously final fantasy 7 top you know but probably 90 percent of people that have played it would put it in their top five yeah five games at least of all time i mean i'm still waiting for them to actually finish the remake yeah which i feel yep. is probably going to be about another eight years before yeah we get all of it but yeah it's it's i just want to be able to play all of it rather than just yep play the first few hours and then have to wait oh. another six years <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. I love the remake. Um, yeah, but the original game is just really special. Yes, I mean I've got such big nostalgia for the Final Fantasy games, like the PS One mm -hmm. 
and I wasn't I didn't play any of the ones from before that so like I play them yeah. now and it's like they're really good games but I don't have that nostalgia but like 7, 8 and 9 is just Agreed yep, 7, 8 and 9 were the ones for, and 10 actually it came out at the right time for me I, I yeah. also love that game but but the 3 for PlayStation 1 for me are are some of the most special a- and I'll add to that Chrono Cross and Parasite Eve, those five games. Um, Squaresoft and, you know, from 97 to 2000 was, they were doing something. Yeah. They were. And now I'm going to rage in European that Chrono Cross and Parasite Eve weren't released in Europe when they came out. Oh, shit. Okay. I didn't realize that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. they're both amazing games so i think the i think like when they started doing the ps1 games on like the psp and playstation 3 on the store you could Mm -hmm. get them then but i think the first time you could play like the recently released chrono cross remaster remake whatever they call it is that's that's the first time it's had like a proper release in europe Uh, i don't think parasite eve has ever had one yeah. Um, yeah so i've I've played Parasite Eve a bit of it, but I had to play it in a suspiciously legality unsure way, and it broke after a bit. So it's one that I will try and play at some point. Because yeah, just heard it's it's amazing, and it's basically peak nineties SquareSoft doing a survival horror RPG. That's exactly what it is. Yep. So yeah, one day when you know there's not millions of other games to play um, <laughs> so moving on with the questions your favorite musical artist slash band slash composer yeah we kind of already hit this yeah. but joanna newsome yeah. yeah solid choice next question yes <laughs> that one was quick good work and yeah. your favorite game soundtrack okay i will give two for this again um one of them is kind of a you know final fantasy 7 yeah. again love that soundtrack um many things have been said about it already <clears throat> and then for a more recent game the banner saga trilogy yeah just has really really great theme i mean the themes and orchestration really cool choice to use a wind band when so much music is so orchestral to focus on you know brass and woodwinds is a cool choice i love the vocals um yeah nice i've like listened it's really weird because i've listened to the soundtrack quite a lot for the banner saga and yeah i've played very little of the game yeah <laughs> kind of shows yep. how good not because the games like i didn't enjoy the game it's just one of those where i started playing it's like you're not in the right mindset to play mm-hmm. that sort of game but then the soundtrack's yep. just just amazing and it's it just, really you is can just listen to it as its own thing rather yeah, than in actually... the game yeah, it's the only game soundtrack that I have on vinyl, actually. And I, uh, I've i like played it for other... I've been out of town playing metal shows and stuff and staying with people, and I'll put it on, and people will be like, man, what is this? Like, oh, it's a game soundtrack. Check it out. Um, so, yeah, it's it's got that appeal beyond the game. That being said, I love the games, too. I yeah. think they're great. So, yeah. Both solid choices as well, obviously. I feel you could talk about Final Fantasy VII game and soundtrack for literally hours and still yep. run out of things to say and naughty no but yeah that's uh, i want to play it again that's that's yeah. how good it is yeah. um and then on a similar sort of soundtrack note the next question your favorite film and or tv soundtrack yeah um empire strikes back nice yeah yeah it uh i mean I, I settled on that one, but it, because it has this cue that has three titles, I don't remember. It's it's something bounty hunter. The I don't remember what the the cue is called, <laughs> but um, which was also used in that N sixty four game, Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, which is really cool that they got like actually John Williams music for some of it or all of it. Um, but that cue that has the really cool. that like really cool melody really harmonized in a an interesting way peak john williams and that cue is always running through my head and obviously it has all the other 
great themes that we know. Yeah, that's it. Empire Strikes Back. I didn't realize, like, I know I've played a few games on the N64 that have had, well, I don't like, I don't know if that one's uh, actual recording of it that they've put on the game or if they've, like, made it on the N64 game and, uh, like, sound engine. I actually don't know that much about it. But obviously I can remember playing one of the Tony Hawk's games on and, like, the actual licensed music yeah. on it is just, like, chopped up to pieces because they've the space limitation oh, on it. Interesting. So it's like um, the Rage Against the Machine song. I think it just like has the chorus on loop or something. Oh, that's like, pretty funny. But yeah, yeah. It's, I don't. It, I've ne- I've not played Shadows of the Empire that I can remember anyway. But I, yeah. I wouldn't know if that's like one they've rebuilt the song in the game or if it's actually mm. just like the recording of it in it. Be interesting to find yeah. out. I was too young when I played it to know the difference. Um, and I haven't played it since like probably 2001 or something like that, but um, maybe earlier. But um, yeah, I went back and listened to the soundtrack on YouTube, but that could easily just be something different than what's on the N64 cartridge. I don't yeah. know. If some listener out there can check, <laughs> yeah. that'd be great. I don't have I don't have the gear to check it anymore. I have an be N64, curious. but I don't have the game. It's pretty awesome. I I feel like it wouldn't. It's one of those games that was of its time and maybe wouldn't be the most. I think you'd be better off replaying Final Fantasy VII, maybe. Yeah, no, that sounds good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I feel that was like at that sort of like late 90s, I think, when they re re bought out the trilogy. I was speaking to, I can't remember who I was speaking to about this the other day, but like there's that's just that like massive point in between them doing that and um episode one coming out where like star wars was just yes licensed everywhere there's like so many games and yep there's things in snacks advertising it yep. and it was just yeah mad times i i mean and they their goal was to get as many people interested to see the new movie right and it totally worked on me i'm a life long star wars fan starting in the late 90s i was born in 1987 so it's like you know episode one came out when i was 12 it's like perfect generation um they got me and i'm still here even <laughs> even when they it's almost an abusive relationship at this point <laughs> they, i'm still here doing star wars stuff so yeah hopefully hopefully they'll learn and just know what know what people want which apparently they seem to think is about 400 series a year on disney plus yeah i've heard andor is really good i i've i watched obi-wan and thought it was awesome yeah i really enjoyed Um, that yeah i i haven't actually watched i'm like the only person that can go on and on about star wars that hasn't seen the mandalorian yet (laughs) so or the Boba Fett, whatever that is. Yeah. I haven't seen that yet. I just watched Obi Wan for some reason, um, and it was cool. So I mean, the Mandalorian's <laughs> the one that I've not watched it, but it's the one that a lot of people seem to say it's kind of the best one. But also, I don't know okay. because it's got um, oh god, name's gone. Cute thing. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> oh, Baby Yoda. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Gro Gro Grogu. Yeah, it's just like I everyone. don't know its name. Uh, yeah, it's just cute, uh, apparently. Yeah. But yeah, that's Star Wars. Will will do that. Yeah, because throw cute stuff at you and make you buy it. <laughs> yeah, toys, backpacks, everything. <laughs> and then finally, the last of the quick fire questions: your favorite individual song slash piece slash track from a game soundtrack. Yeah, this was impossible. So I chose, again, I chose two that are constantly, I have a jukebox going in my head nonstop, and it just depends on what's going on in there. But two that come back a lot are um, Underneath the Rotting Pizza from yeah. Final Fantasy VII, that, da, 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 that, that one. And then from Sonic 2, Chemical Plant Zone. Yeah. Both just just amazing writing um and you know there's thousands of other things i could mention but those are what i'm going with they're both i I like that they're both um both really iconic but kind of again opposite ends like i know they've got a really cool like little 
little melodies and stuff that's really catchy but obviously the, the, that bit of Final Fantasy 7 is very you know busy in terms of the area you're in walking around but it's kind of like a much slower paced game and then Sonic obviously mm-hmm. Sonic it's 100 miles an hour right. Yeah. right definitely definitely yeah. cool choices <laughs> thanks um so kind of obviously talked about your um your journey through music and getting to work in games obviously the ones you're working on at the moment um obviously attack of the earthlings mobile hopefully coming out in the near near future in in beta and then obviously the full version is there anything else you're working on at the minute that you're at liberty to talk about (laughs) yeah so it's out outside of games is that okay yeah yeah no that's cool okay so my chamber group which i've mentioned a couple times forêt endormi or forêt endormi is um i'm actually this week sending some stuff to the mixing engineer so been working on it for a long time um yeah it's a group with piano violin double bass uh, clarinet, electric guitar. I sing in French. There's a bunch of synthesizers all over it. We recorded drum kit too for the first time. Um, so this is our first record. It's not going to be out for at least, you know, probably six months, but we're getting to the end stages. So I'm just really excited about that. Um, and there are some other projects brewing at Team Junkfish, but I can't talk about them yet. Cool. Yep. So in terms of um, the band's release, is that just going to be a digital one or are there any plans for it to be released physically? So the last three releases that we did were all on vinyl. um, And the two, one of those was an EP, but the two full lengths are on CD as well. And the most recent album is on cassette. So probably it's going to be vinyl, CD, cassette and digital. Nice. Um, It's also all on Spotify. So. And they're available on the band camp yep yep nice and then in terms of keeping up with yourself um is twitter or your website what's the best place for people if they want to keep up with what you've got going on yeah great question um doing a big website overhaul in the next couple months but until then probably twitter i guess i'm not posting that much right now um but that will probably change uh as well I have intentions to share more things more often. Yes. Um, So yeah, Twitter's good. Um, Instagram is good. Cool. I'll put all the links in the episode bio thing so people can just click on from there as well to find all yourself on various places. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's kind kind of came to the end of the questions I had for yourself, Jordan. I don't know if there's anything you'd like to talk about at all. No, I, I feel pretty good. Thanks good. for having me on the show. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for taking time out to speak to myself. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, likewise. And I'd once again like to thank Jordan for taking the time out of his schedule to chat to myself. As always, Beats and Bleeps will be back. We have episodes going live on the first and third Monday of every month. So you can check out those wherever you get your podcasts. I'd also like to thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day.